welcome Gary. Uh, thank you so much for joining Humanly Possible. I am honored to have you on the show. Uh, I could, first of all, I wish we could make this episode like three hours because I could talk to you <laughs> about a variety of topics. Um, but before we get into it, tell us who, who is Gary and what, what makes you human? Oh my goodness. So I'll start with the second bit first of all, Angela, if I may. And yes, three hours wouldn't be enough. Um, what makes me human increasingly, and this hasn't always been the case, is the ability to feel and to embody what I want to see the change in the world. But that's, that's not that's quite a recent thing, to be honest. Um, in terms of a bit of an intro to me, trying to stay out the corporate traditional introduction, um, Angela, but I, I, I tend to come in these days from talking about the fact that I'm a reforming human being. Um, I can explain more about what that means for me, but what that means is I actually in the corporate role, I look after 20 million's worth of business. You know, if I put my corporate hat on, um, you know, international salesperson, I lead on culture and people unofficially within the organization which I serve. But I've also got this huge network, which I'm grateful you're part of. And I just have an absolutely incredible thirst for lifelong learning. And that's probably the best, uh, the best way to finish my intro. Um, well, I I really liked both parts of your intro, and uh, so tell us a little bit more about this uh, recovering piece of being human. What's the background on that? I got we got to hear more about that. Well, do you know something? I, I think it's a massive for me. It's really for a bit of a journey myself back from when I was a, a child. You know, twelve, thirteen years old, um, bullied by othered to use the language we talk about a lot in the DEI space, I was othered by a group of boys at the age of 12, 13, beaten up by them repeatedly, not made to feel welcome or that I belong in that area when I moved to, to West Wales, a country on the west of the UK. And I held on to that feeling of being bullied for over 20 years because I didn't, I didn't know how to feel. I didn't know how to express hurt or shame or upset or anger. So I held on to that story for over 20 years and it's been the last five years only that I've started to unpick all of that and it's what's amazing Angela is so much of it was just stories that I told myself that I held on to believed and held with a clenched fist and if I'm going to be bold I think that's a lot of the challenge we see in the world within corporations today well I mean the the um yeah the the dynamics are similar to the playground you know the bullying and the I mean, sometimes, unfortunately, connecting bullying with leadership and the, the, the power struggles and the dynamics. I mean, we haven't changed much, Gary. <laughs> we, we, we haven't changed much. And, and, and it's a really good point you make. Actually, what, why do you think that is, Angela? Like, like we've got so much evidence for the value of DEI. We've got so much evidence for the value of being human. Like we make more money. It's healthier, better outcomes. Mm but we're not shifting that quickly. So I wonder what you think's going on there or not. <laughs> yeah, I quite honestly, I think that um, we have a traditional, we have a, we have a flawed uh, definition of leadership that has been centered around characteristics that aren't serving us anymore. Or no, I would say never served us, but I, you know, some people would say, well, businesses ran just fine 10, 20, 30 years ago. Uh, but I think that, we see in the research that profit uh, human-centric businesses with 
uh, engaged employees provide three times more profit. We see, um, I think, actual scaling of the impact organizations have on people seep into societies and communities. So, you know, I, I, I agree with you. The evidence is there, but I think there's a mental block um, around the, t- the work and the self-reflection that's needed to be empathetic toward other people and to understand others' differences because our brain is also kind of flawed. I think we carry a lot of bias that tells us that we're right and our perspective is right. So everyone else must be the problem. Uh, I think it's I think it's the human condition, <laughs> quite honestly, that we're we're trying to combat here. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great a great point. It's it's so interesting because that human condition is the one thing that we all share. Every one of the eight billion or so people on the planet, we've just got different degrees of awareness or consciousness as to what that means for us. You know, do we do do we? So yeah, I just. I'm just fascinated by that human condition co- comment that you made because it's it is a leveler if we can come towards one another through that equity and equality of we are all human. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think um, you know this this kind of gets into the idea of leadership, which I really wanted to kind of pick your brain and and, and bounce some ideas around with you today because you know and it's connecting back to your your personal story that you just shared around. Um, how we self-regulate and um, manage our emotions and, um, you know, use our emotions for good and use our empathy and our vulnerability for good. Uh, What do you think the future of leadership looks like? Very, very, very different (laughs) to what we're still experiencing in 2021, to be honest. And there's no judgment of anybody when I make that comment, Angela. It's it <clears throat> excuse me when people talk about systemic people i think at times including me very innocently you can think about this being quite an ethereal thing it's over there somewhere i can't really make a difference with this systemic challenges but if we think about education as a part of the system have we ever been taught how to feel have we ever been taught it's okay to express no we've been taught su- suppress it hide it away there's only one way to do everything. And like, if you're getting that message from your parents, early stage education through to your, you know, degree studies, you know, we've still got a system that's churning out young people up to the age of 21 that aren't being educated, unless they've got really good parents or amazing sort of peer groups, they're going into the workplace not knowing it's okay to feel. And I think that's the number one biggest change that we're gonna see is moving from even the knowledge in our head that yeah psychological safety is a good thing vulnerability self-awareness like all of these great buzzwords that we you and i talk about and we know matter but to talk about it is one thing angela to embody it as a leader is a very 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 different thing and i think we're seeing a transition from just thinking to embodying and that is going to be hard work but really really good work and it's going to make a huge difference yeah, and, and I, I want to go back to your question about the mental block of this work. And I do think it is systemic. I think that it's systemic in the way that we we have a construct of leadership, like I mentioned, that is the traditional construct of leadership, which is, um, you know, words like 
you know, winner, absolute, uh, aggressive, outspoken, charismatic. I mean, not all these are bad words, you know, but I think we have painted, at least, you know, in my country, in the U.S., might be different um, for you, but at least in the U.S., we have this, uh, this leadership persona that is um, kind of against being human centric. It's 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 against being vulnerable and emotional and, and using that those transformative characteristics. And when I say transformative, I mean things that drive positive change. Um, so what do you what do you think? What's what's the persona of leadership um, in your neck of the woods? And do you see it changing? Yeah, it's a really, really great question. So, so I'm based in the UK, um, of course, that funny little island um, at the top of Europe. Um, what's really interesting for me, to answer your question, Angela, is that I think we've still very much got similar challenges to you. That's the number one point. You know, it doesn't matter what you read, who you talk to. And what drives it? I guess I'm a big I'm a big advocate of root cause analysis when we talk about leadership and culture and diversity and inclusion. Like, what's the absolute upstream challenge? So I think when we talk about leadership, why do we have so much traditional leadership still? It's because we can be as we've always been and still make a great salary and still have a great job and still have all the comforts that we've always had. There's no incentive to change. And I'm speaking as a white male who, like, particularly for those that look like me, like, there is, like, with all of the furore of the last 12 months, I think, honestly, part of the reason things aren't shifting quick enough is because we don't have enough felt understanding of what it's like. We're not, we don't have real felt conversations about what's it like, actually, you know, for a black man to just live life. Like, how do more people that are Caucasian understand that lived experience? That is not a priority in workplaces. What's a priority in workplaces is, have we hit the next quarter's numbers yet? How do we grow? How do we acquire? How do we expand? And until we have a different paradigm, back to your point about mindset, until we can genuinely strive to hit, I'm not a big fan of metrics per se, but I think we've got to meet people where we're at. You know, what are the human metrics? I love your thoughts on this. You might you might already be working on this, Angela. But what's the set of humane KPIs that need to sit alongside the financial KPIs so that we can actually bring a convergence of high performance that we still need for businesses, we need to grow, we need to employ people. But how do we inject humanity in a way that is going to be consistent, conscious and embedded over time? Um, I think we're missing those human metrics. Yeah, and I, uh, you know, I think we've kind of in the uh, history of, of, you know, employee experience, employee engagement, you know, all these buzzwords around metrics. Um, and, and they all come down to, I think, a few things just from a business perspective. But I think what we're not measuring is the human experience. And I think part of the mental block is corporations don't see themselves as responsible for that. <laughs> you know, we're employing humans to do a job and we're only focused on the job they're doing and not the human. So that is, I think, the part of the mental block, which is 
well, if we start caring about this, you know, what else are we going to have to care about that? Are we going to have to care about, you know, uh, you know, whether or not someone is, you know, homeless and we've got to like, it's like, it's like it spirals into like, how much should we care? And that's not the right, <laughs> I don't think that's the right approach. It's like, we should care about the whole, if we are employing humans for eight, eight hours a day, 10 hours a day, we have a responsibility versus, you know, tracking, you know, a bunch of metrics. I think it's just, we have a responsibility. What is our, let's define our responsibility to the humans we employ. Um, and then I say this all the time, you know, you're then sending these humans uh, back to their societies, back to their communities, back to their families, and how you have nurtured them or uh, stressed them is going to multiply. So I see it as a responsibility. Uh, and I think that's where we need to get to is this this uh, consciousness around that. Mm, I, I, I think it's it's a really, really lovely lens you're looking through, actually, Angela, for me on on that point, because, again, I can't speak for my organization. I'm here as, you know, as Gary. But what I've experienced in not only my current organization, but right throughout my career here here in the UK, I, you know, I, I work internationally, I've traveled internationally for over 20 years. The interesting thing is that regardless of the national culture that I visited, it's been the same human challenges. Whether I've been to India, where I've been to China, where I've been to the US, where I've been to South Africa, where it's been all around Europe. These challenges are consistent human challenges beyond color beyond sexual um, you know identification beyond everything else that we you know rightfully for some reasons categorize other reasons that can be a challenge because it sort of boxes us off but i can't emphasize enough how critical you're you know, the lens you're looking at through around this human piece and it's not to negate that we need to focus on different subsets of humanity, such as the Black Lives Matter, you know, such as transgender rights. You know, those have a focus for a good reason. And we need to amplify those conversations. But the root cause is humanity. And when we can get back to actually what does it mean to be human? Like, that's not a conversation in the workplace, Angela. Like, we don't, we, I don't have that conversation in the workplace. Like, <laughs> it's not even on the agenda. Yeah, and it's, um, and I think people have, tried to call it different things like like I said employee experience and but I do think we're moving towards this more holistic uh view of of what that means and so what, what are some of the you mentioned that you, you you see similarities what are some of those similarities that you're seeing what you know what are what are things that would make a workplace more human like what are three or four things that would um would achieve that do you think yeah, so I've got some really clear answers to that. Um, brilliant question. So first of all, is pace. So it's the intentionality of slowing down. So actually, you can't connect on a human level if you're running at 100 miles an hour. The pandemic's shown us that brilliantly. You know, we've had to connect over virtual, which you can do. You and I did brilliantly with our first conversation. But we need to slow down and be much more intentional, I think, around connecting on a human level which means if i'm asking angela how are you doing today you know i'm asking you because i i want to hear how you're doing today i'm not looking for an off the cuff yeah i'm doing all right and then i can walk away like i have to want back to your point about care and responsibility 
So I think that that's definitely, a, and that's happening. I'm seeing that 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 is definitely starting to happen. There is a more caring approach to to the workplace emerging. I'm definitely seeing that as a common theme. A common theme that I know needs to shift, but isn't anywhere near quick enough, is a focus. Although again, there's a lot to talk about it. Is development of what I call humanistic skills. You know, some call it soft skills. You know, human skills, whatever. But I call them humanistic skills, you know, whether it's self-awareness, whether it's vulnerability, whether it's listening. You know, those three that I just shared, they are absolute golden eggs of opportunity. I And actually, I'd actually I'd add a fourth in, and that is actually intuition. So you can look at it as mindset, but the word mindset brings with it, you know, the sort of growth fix mindset. It does bring this sort of um, polarization for me in a way. So when I come at it through intuition, it's like, oh... Actually, yeah. What are those ideas that we can have in the moment if we create the space for them to emerge? So intuition, vulnerability, self-awareness and listening. Those humans, those four in particular, because I've trained in all of them and I've seen the impact of them, which, in, by the way, Angela, there was an increase in six million euros of sales and gross margin of one and a half million over three years within my immediate sales team. Nothing else changed. Same people, same organisation. Similar market dynamics, similar competitive environment. All we did was shift intentionally how we organise as a team. And so and a lot of that was based around those human skills. So I'll stop there for a second, but they're two that jump up really, really powerful. Yeah, I, I kind of want to dig into the vulnerability um, one that you just mentioned. I know you talked, gave really great insight into what that looks like. And self-awareness, I think, fits right into that. So... You know, I think when people hear the term vulnerability, they there's they get a little nervous, right? Because vulnerability, I mean, I I wish I had the, the actual definition, like the like the Webster's dictionary definition, but if I can remember what it is, it it sounds like someone who's exposed and maybe um, so here we go, the quality or state of being exposed to the possibility of being attacked or harmed, either physically or emotionally. So even in our dictionary, <laughs> um, vulnerability is painted as this scary uh, concept. So how are you thinking about vulnerability differently? And why is it so important for leaders to have it and be open to it? Yeah, this is where we need three. Yeah, this is where we need three hours, Angela. But giving you a succinct reply. So if if I may mention something, it's a podcast that I had for over two and a half years called Value Through Vulnerabilities. There's 138 episodes over two and a half years sitting out there on your favourite podcast platform. Now, that's just, there's nothing in it for me except it's just a, a passion project and it's sitting there for anyone that wants to dive into more of this specific discussion on vulnerability. Now, why I wanted to share that as the sort of primer is what I've learned through my own lived experience, Angela, but also through these incredible guests that were a mixture of consultants, CEOs, DEI specialists, educators. The really common theme is that if you think about vulnerability, it's like um, it's like a dial. You don't have to be all in, showing all your warts and all. Like I, no, I'm I'm a very open person. I'm very transparent with my vulnerability, but I don't need to be. You know, I can show a bit more of me. In order that you and I can connect, I've just met Angela. I'm getting on really, really well with you. I'd love. I think I want to have further conversations. I want to learn from you. You're very different to me. 
and I can feel there's a connection there. I'm just going to share, actually, let me just tell you a little bit about, if I may, Angela, about this occasion where I felt really afraid. I felt so afraid to, to challenge. I know someone was going wrong, someone was being aggressed, and I didn't say anything, and I felt so bad about that. That's vulnerability, to show that you didn't have the answer, to show that actually you couldn't help you know, you, you didn't step up. Like, that's vulnerability to share a story, is one example. Another example of vulnerability is very simply to say, hey, Angela, you know, that project we're working on together, I'm actually really lost. Like, I really need your help. Or is there anyone else you know that could help me? Because I'm really struggling. I don't understand. Or I, I've really lost the context of what we're working on together. That's vulnerability. So it's not, for me, it's not this all-encompassing, walking out with your arms wide for someone to stab you in the heart. That's not the point of vulnerability. Vulnerability is a gateway to meaningful connection, whatever that means for you. And that's how yeah. I'd, that's probably how I'd, I'd start the... Uh... Yeah, and it sounds like you're also adding it as a... It's a tool a little bit. And and I don't mean it like you're... It's, it's it, disingenuine, but it is something that you have control over so you're not out of control if you're being vulnerable i think people misconstrue that like well, if i'm being vulnerable i'm not in control actually you are in control because you're you're finding ways to um use it as a tool in the sense of showing other other people you're human i think that's that's how i use it right as a leader i'm very i'm very cognizant that people look up to me People are looking to me for answers. And I also want to make it very clear to them that actually I think you have the answer and not me. <laughs> so if I can express I've made a mistake, uh, I could have done that better. Now now we're on a level playing field. There's no, you're my subordinate and I'm your leader. There is, we're in a partnership. We're in this together. And by the way, I, I make mistakes. I'm not perfect. I'm just like you. So I think that relatability is the the tool, the 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 lever part of it, which you can use to build relationships like you, like you mentioned. I love that relatability comment. That's a really lovely way to think about this actually, because I'm, I'm, you've now got me thinking about, you know, after the tragic, you know, murder of George Floyd, you know, I, I realized I did an, uh, did an analysis, if I may share, of my LinkedIn. So I had 4,000 people at that time. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm connected with these people. Really interesting. I looked at the first thousand. Six black men were in my LinkedIn network out of the first thousand that I looked at. And why, 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 why am I sharing that? A, it's an invitation for anyone listening to us now. Like, have you actually checked on the diversity of your network? Not question number one, because if you're so over indexed as I was on, again, Caucasian human beings, like, how am I going to learn about other subsets of humanity and other ideas and other ways of being and other lived experience if I'm being fed, you know, more of the same? And that's why that, so why that relatability bit got me, um, Angela, is we can relate with one another through vulnerability, yet be so, so different in terms of where we come from, our lived experience, our understanding of the world. So we can relate at a felt level, even though we come from such different places on the planet. And so I love that relatability. I've never yeah, thought of it through I that think, lens. Uh, so it's beautiful. A lot of what we, the relatability are, are human condition things like fear, like happiness, like uh, excitement, achievement. Like these are things that transpire uh, across all different 
demographics and experiences. And I think that's when vulnerability becomes a bit of storytelling because when I tell a personal story about myself or I reveal something about myself, it's usually pointing to one of those human condition things uh, and pointing back to emotions, which we all have. So I do think there is a, uh, a diversity, equity, and inclusion element to it, not just from a learning perspective, but also, and you mentioned this earlier, I think there's some vulnerability in being able to say, yeah, I checked my LinkedIn <laughs> network and I could do better. Or I can, there's things I need to unlearn that I didn't even know about, help, you know, help me. Uh, and I've had a few really great connections, you know, mentors even, who have asked me to mentor them to say, you know, cause they're, you know, a white male and they're like, I need you to mentor me now <laughs> because I don't know. I, I, I need to hear if I'm being tone deaf, um, give me feedback. And that is vulnerability too. What a great example. And what a great invitation for more of leaders. To, to do the same because how and how did you feel if I may ask how did you feel when those human beings approached you to to seek your support were you surprised I was um I was honored uh that they were they trusted me enough and uh felt like um you know that, that I wouldn't be judgmental because I do think there was a fear around the being judged uh and also, I think you have to be cognizant that the emotional labor people of color are going through right now is real. So it, it has to be approached from a perspective of, you know, will you help me? <laughs> because I might not be in the brain space to do that today because I just watched the George Floyd trial and, uh, you know, I'm exhausted or, you know, something, something is happening societal, societally that you know, may impact my energy around being able to give you advice and, and uh, learning and unlearning. So I think, I think you have to ask and I think you have to make sure the person you're asking can create space for that because it's, there's a lot of emotional turmoil right now, I think, with people of color who want to help, but they also don't want to always be the one who's, who's you know, targeted to help, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Uh, it, it makes huge sense. It's been one of my biggest learnings. Again, being vulnerable has been, you know, there's a lot of content out there, particularly now. There's a lot of great people like you doing great work. You know, you're putting out podcasts every every month. You know, th th there's no excuse not to do some research, certainly in advance of asking, you know, someone kind like you to uh, to mentor them. So, no, it re resonates a lot with me, um, Angela. Really resonates a lot. And what do you think leaders can do I guess because I just want to get to uh you know like action items right so I mean we talked about a human-centric workplace we talked about the importance of the human experience and how there's like this mental block this mental block to the business case around it uh and then I think we kind of steered into this idea of vulnerability and being a key characteristic I also will add the word humble uh, I kind of put humble and vulnerability like kind of in the same category because you have to have like a sense of humility uh, to, you have to have a, the characteristic is humility. I think the um, the state is vulnerability, if that makes sense. <laughs> so humble leadership is really important, especially when it comes to exploring DE&I. Um, 
So maybe just to close things out, do you have any thoughts on, you know, what are some actions? Because what are some actions that leaders can take to move towards this path that you've you've had the journey in, right? You were able to to make this shift. What were some of the things that you did to to move this way? So there's a few things that come to mind straight away. One is community. So and not community just within your work organization, community outside. That's been a massive accelerant for my personal growth and understanding of the world and how it all joins up and how interdependent it all is. So that's my number one recommendation is be super intentional a, around diversifying your network within your corporation, but also outside. Um, it's, it's, it's been huge. So, 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 so significant for me. So that's like almost on a personal level, but then there's the communities out there as well. So, you know, you've got LinkedIn groups, you've got different communities like, you know, Hacking HR, Humans First. Like there's so many different ones out there. And I would invite people to practice that vulnerability muscle. So join communities, do peer-to-peer support. You know, there's so many, there's so many people willing to be an accountability partner for you. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very open to doing that with one or two people. Should, should they be listening in and go, okay, great. There's this white guy that's talking about vulnerability. I could really do with, you know, someone to sort of like be there as I, as I go on my journey. Like I'd love to offer that, offer that support. Um, so that's another area and another big one, another huge one, Angela, is again, that's like creating the space, but like how do we ensure that we are creating spaces, whether it's using external facilitators or internal, to share lived experience? That is a critical gap at the moment. So whether it's specifically linked to DEI, whether it's linked to understanding the skills that our colleagues have. You know, I work in an organization, it's over three and a half billion turnover. Most people don't know each other's work histories. How much of a gold mine are we sitting on if we just asked, you know, oh, oh my, what, you used to work at our competitor? Or, oh my God, you speak four languages. There's been so many examples, Angela, where we've lost staff because they wanted to make the most of their skills. They spoke three languages and they only used English within the business. So again, you know, how do we make sure intentionally that we can understand each other at both a human level? So lived experience, what's your background, etc. But also, uh, you know, even in a work context, you know, what are the skills? You know, what is your experience of work and how can we try and leverage your wholeness and not just the box that we put you in? So there are a couple of starting points and I think they're pretty actionable. Yeah. And I would also add, um, you know, to, you know, I think when we talk about systemic um, and systematic, uh, you know, those two being two different things, but very, very well uh connected and and working together with each other I think the other action is you know take a look at yourself but also uh you know things that have just been happen have been happening for decades and decades within your business that you need to question and I think the more you learn the more you you see things for what they are um hiring practices um the way you evaluate people are you being objective are you uh, hiring people who look and act like you because it's comfortable. I think that's kind of the self-reflection, the hard self-reflection uh, that leads to action. But it's also, it's, it, it is being vulnerable because you're saying, I didn't see this before and now I do. Uh, I am blind and now I can see. <laughs> and I think the more you learn, the more your eyes open 
And the more you can be effective to be more inclusive and to combat exclusivity uh, within your company. So that was just what I was thinking about when you were um, talking about some of your action items. Oh, it's, it's so good. If I may offer one final thing as well, Andrew, if that's okay, is it's really fun. Like, it sounds scary being vulnerable. It's actually one of the most freeing experiences I've ever managed to experience. The freedom of thinking, the freedom from fear, the freedom from what ifs. I still have all those. I still pop into those moments, of course, from time to time. But my default position now, as I've got much, much more comfortable practicing vulnerability, life opens up as in your personal life completely opens up. So I want, I want to leave that because this can feel quite heavy and like, oh my God, it's there's so much treacle to walk through. And there is treacle to walk through. But it's also a lot of fun getting there once you actually start to practice this and start to experience it more often. It's it's so freeing. And I think you also feel more authentic. Like that, that's what's been most impactful for me is if I'm able to be vulnerable, I'm I'm being myself. It's when I'm, I'm I'm trying to fit in and all of that when I'm not being authentic and that's not vulnerable. That's just you riding the waves, right? And it just it's such an enrichment for me because uh, there's no fear and there's just authenticity. So I think that's another benefit and it, that that ties to things like belonging and diversity, equity, inclusion as well is allowing people to be themselves and to be vulnerable without repercussions of that so totally agree with you <laughs> well i uh like i said this could be like a four-part series and i would love to have you back um but i'm just so grateful that you joined gary and um talk to us about the whole human and the idea of vulnerability and how we need to change the definition in the dictionary i'm on a crusade now i'm going to change the definition of vulnerability in the dictionary because it's not correct um so thank you gary so much anything else you want to mention before we we close out no just thank you for all the work you're doing you know you've you just put out such an amazing energy around everything you're doing angela and it's 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 so appreciated i enjoy uh, enjoy watching you soar to be honest so i'm just grateful that you're in my network so thank you same grateful grateful to have you in my network too gary and we'll have you back soon thanks a lot